Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rep Chats, the podcast of Nashville Repertory Theater. I'm Micah Shane Brewer, and I'm pleased to have Cece DeCordy with me today. Hello, Cece. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. We're good. We, we survived the opening of the season. We did we it. We did. <laughs> It was a great, great, great time. It was so much fun. 9 to 5 has now closed, and we are moving on. Uh, I, I, I just was so excited about the audience response to mm-hmm. 9 to 5 and, and the show and the, uh, and the, the quality of the pr- production and the, the cast, the creative crew. Yeah, I've, I've never been part of an audience that was that enthralled. Almost, they were just really, really excited to be there. I, I know. Really loved the I show. know. I, it's it's exciting to be in an audience where they are invested just as much as the actors. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And, yeah. and and that's what I experienced with Nine to Five. It felt like a really energizing way to start our season. I I agree. I agree. I just want to uh, give a shout out to. Our production team, our creative team, uh, director Becky Baker, uh, choreographer Allison Little, music director Randy Kraft, our fantastic actors, um, Megan Murphy Chambers, Allison Robinson, Mariah Parrish, Jeff Mm -hmm. Davin, Evelyn O'Neill. Oh my gosh, I can't name everyone because they were incredible. Fantastic, yeah. And great to work with. You know, that's that's so much uh, an important part of the process is Mm -hmm. working with people who are good to work with, who have great attitudes, who are not just talented, but are, are good people. Right. Yeah. Everyone. So kudos to the cast and crew of 9 to 5. Thank you for um, giving us such a beautiful show to start the season with. And next up is Christmas Carol, and we are, we're in the middle of building Christmas Carol right now. It's already Christmas. <laughs> it's already <laughs> Christmas. Costumes are being built, and scenic, uh, the, 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 the scene shop is, is busy. Um, painting and uh, creating creating sets and special effects. So, and oh my gosh. Literally creating. Creating. We're creating this whole entire thing from the ground up. From the ground up. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, um, But between now and Christmas, we have the kickoff to our Ingram New Works season, mm-hmm. which we're super excited about. And so on today's podcast, we're going to speak with Krista Knight, who is our first Ingram New Works playwright of the season. Um, you may know Krista because she is a writer in residence in playwriting and screenwriting at Vanderbilt University, but her resume is very extensive. Uh, she is a Juilliard Fellow, Page 73 Playwriting Fellow, McDowell Fellow, Shank Playwriting Fellow at the Vineyard Theater, Chance Theater Resident Playwright, and winner of the Heidman Award at Actors Theater of Louisville, the Samuel French Off-Off-Broadway Short Play Festival, and the Broadway On Demand Film Festival. Oh my gosh, like so many so many opportunities and, and mm-hmm. accolades here for Krista. Her plays include Sloppy Bonnie, Crush, Lipstick Lobotomy, Don't Stop Me, which she wrote with Dave Malloy, um, the, the composer of Natasha Pierre and the Great White Comet of 1812, oh. uh, Kirk at the SF Airport Hyatt, Primal Play, Selkie, and Crimson Lit, Scarlet Letter Set List. Um, her commissions also include a script for a ride at Tokyo Disney, um, and um, an EST Sloan commission, and DreamWorks Music Theater International. My gosh, I mean, her her resume is extensive, mm-hmm. and we are so excited to talk to Krista today about our our first Ingram Newworks play, her original play called Cry Bully. Mm-hmm. And join us here in just a moment, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have Krista Knight with us here today. Welcome, Krista. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good. And happy birthday month, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Really leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. So we are so happy to start Ingram New Works this week. Yay. It's our first uh, Ingram New Works play of the 23-24 season. And uh, your play is our first one, so I just I'm happy to have you here, and yeah. and I would love to just start by talking about how did you become a playwright? Like, what was it that made you want to write for the stage? For the stage, yeah. Why would you ever want? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I didn't know that uh, the plays were still getting written before I went to undergrad. Yeah, I thought it was something that we sort of stopped doing a long time ago, like roof thatching or spice trading or, you know, yeah. something that uh, was an art form, uh, yes, a yesteryear art yeah. form. Um, so I had done theater in, you know, in school and I loved being part of a rehearsal process. I'm a terrible actor. Um, I'm a lazy actor. <laughs> like, I don't know where my body is. But it's a room that I love being in, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't. It didn't occur to me that that uh, there was a place in which to to write within that room. Mm-hmm. The newest play I'd seen before I went to undergrad was Three Tall Women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to undergrad as a neuroscience major, and uh, was doing that. I was working in the in the Brown Pathology Research Laboratory and and taking those classes. And then, of course, I met Paula Vogel. Which, if you, uh, you know, <laughs> let's pause just a second. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paula Vogel. Yeah, continue. Sorry, uh, we'll, we'll we'll fangirl about Paula yes, Vogel yes. later. I mean, you know, if you've if you've had the pleasure of meeting her, I mean, she is just she is a force and and so magnetic. I think to the to the art of theater and to the art of playwriting in particular, and you know, a, a twenty minute discussion with her or seeing her speak, you walk out of that and you're like, theater is the most important thing I could possibly be doing. And just getting to see what that looked like, mm-hmm. um, getting to see what it looked like to be a creator and a creator academic. And I've pretty much followed exactly what she told me to do or what she told me was a, was a sort of possible career path, mm-hmm. which was, you know, taking two years off uh, between undergrad and grad school, going to a grad school that would pay for you to be there, then getting your MFA so you can teach at the college level. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Um, so yeah, I was just incredibly inspired and and uh, so delighted to discover that there was a place for me in the room um, where I didn't have to put on makeup. I have really sensitive skin, so I was like, that was always a nightmare. I didn't have to know where my body went in quite the same way. I mean, I still took acting classes and have you know sure. so much love and respect for actors, but I'm not an actor. Yeah. But I love being around actors. Mm-hmm. And so writing a, uh, plays allows me to be in that in that room and in that space and it's a good art form for me because it allows me to vacillate between being alone in a room and mm-hmm. getting to create alone in a room and then getting to come together with collaborators yeah speaking of inspiration one of the reasons why i love teaching playwriting and screenwriting at the college level is providing that template uh, for students in the way that Paula Vogel provided for me this this opportunity to be like this is the thing I don't know if it's your thing, but maybe it is and welcome. Yeah I'm always fascinated by the creative process and digging into someone's uh, journey 
And especially a playwright, when you're working on a morsel of an idea and then watching that morsel of an idea come to fruition to a full-fledged play. Yeah. Talk about your first play. Like the first play that you wrote, did it... Did it end up getting produced? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think produced. Has anything? What is to, what is to be produced? <laughs> um, yes, I mean, I think. Oh gosh, the first play I probably ever wrote actually was probably a, a play in Paula's class yeah. that she seemingly still remembers when I run into her. You know, I think it also helps that I have the pink hair that there's a wrapping. You know, it's like remember me. Um, and it was about uh, it was about a babysitter and uh, the kid that she was babysitting who um, was eating the universe. And <laughs> um, what was it called? Do you remember? Oh gosh, um, no, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I think I had some you know astronomy pun uh, probably. And I remember we did it. Uh, when I was an intern at the O'Neill Theater Center um, with other interns, we, you know, there's you know lots of time when you're not necessarily uh, assisting rehearsals, and so we we put it up together um, mm-hmm. in some capacity. If so, if that counts as as production, which I think it, you know, sure, I like to sure, think it does. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, and then just you know keeping keeping churning them out ever since. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I know from the list of plays that you've written, you've also written musicals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference for you in your process of writing a play versus a musical and collaborating with a composer? Mm-hmm. Musicals are so fun because they have music. Yeah. So once you, you know, once you go musical, it's hard to go back. It's hard to then write, uh, quote unquote, straight plays without songs mm-hmm. because you're like, well, what about, you know, what about having music? You know, it's just so fun and activating um, and, uh, you know, an even deeper collaborative process if you're working with a composer or co-lyricist. So, you know, there's something really special about writing plays just because it is, you know, it is single authorship. You can do, you know, you are ultimately responsible for every word that is there. But... Um, with musicals, you often like have a writing partner. Mm-hmm. And that was so uh, important for me, especially during the pandemic, when, you know, I already ask myself every time I sit down to write, what is the point of this? You know, what, what uh, you know, when will this see the light of day, if ever? And who needs this? And, well, you know, all those things that you sort of use to spiral into uh, a procrastination wormhole. Uh, but then during the pandemic, you know, having a collaborator, having collaborators in, in the musical theater realm meant that I was responsible to someone else besides myself. And together we could sort of push ourselves to continue to create and continue to be accountable to each other in this world when we didn't know when and how theater would return. Yeah. So you've written two musicals. Uh, I saw Sloppy Bonnie, oh, yes. which was the first show, I, incidentally, it was the first show I saw coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, and it was out, outdoors at Oz Arts, right, mm-hmm. which was a great way to to be able to see theater again when we were still not so sure about being inside with mm-hmm. other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was fun, but you've also um, collaborated with Dave Malloy, who yeah. wrote Natasha Pierre and the Great White Comet, which mm-hmm. is... Great Comet uh, of 1812. 1812, yeah. 1812, yeah. right. It's a long title. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so talk about 
like you have a very you have a vast um, experience. Like your plays are they 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 range in in like style. They range in topics. You know, like what's been one of your favorite writing projects? Ooh, well. Just speaking of Sloppy Bonnie, uh, that was really satisfying and, and interesting because it was in a time when theater felt so much in flux, and mm-hmm. I actually don't know if that time is over. Sure. But getting to write to the restriction um, of the pandemic, uh, writing something that could be, it was written to be performed in a parking lot, it was written to mm-hmm. be performed outdoors by three actors who could be 20 feet apart. Um, not knowing, you know, when and how we would come back. Um, something I love about theater in general is the sort of those the restrictions, the mm-hmm. restrictions of time and space and budget, and mm-hmm. um, what the you know we can do with the with the human body and you know a limited amount of time with a with nothing basically. Um, and so that felt like a, a distillation of what mm-hmm. um, the theater process already looks like in sort of a heightened way. Um, so that was, yeah, that was just really interesting. And then also it's sort of a rumination, uh, on moving to the South. Um, I'm from Silicon Valley originally. I've been in New York for many years. And so coming here was a bit of a culture shock and getting Mm -hmm. to sort of process that, uh, through theater was really rewarding. Um, also with, you know, with a uh, country western singer-songwriter who is from the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting to, yeah, to process that and getting to explore, you know, a, a female serial killer who sort of, <laughs> you know, kills people via her uh, feminine competence was, was lots of fun. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, I mean, I think every time I'm, I'm sitting down to work on something, it is a, a new and unique challenge. Mm-hmm. And everything brings, you know, new obstacles and also new, uh, new discoveries. Sure. Um, because every, as you say, you know, every topic is different. The writing process, the writing scope, uh, timeline is often different for every project. And then the collaborators are, are inevitably different for every project. So that uh, that's such an exciting moment when you get to take something from you know, something you've been working on, you know, on your couch, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I like to write on the couch, uh, probably should, you know, uh, sit up more often. Um, (laughs) but, uh, two other people and getting to see that realized in a way that is better than, and different from what you would expect. When you're writing a new play and you have the idea and you start writing, Generally, how long does it take you? And I know that's kind of a, a, it may differ from play to play, but like on average, how long does it take you to to write a new play? That is such a great question. Um, As soon as and until I can get a deadline. (laughs) It's a good answer to a hard question, right? (laughs) Well, and you know, I recently wrote my first play, and I don't know that you can say that it's a play, but it's an adaptation of... A Christmas Carol. Oh, fabulous. And so I always wanted to do, I've always wanted to write plays, and I thought this is a really good way, and this is not about Christmas Carol, yeah. but it's so hard, even in an adaptation, mm-hmm. to, for me it was, to discipline myself. Like, I know I have to do this. I know I have to get this done. There is a deadline. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, what I, you know, I, because I also teach writing, what I tell my students is just like, it's the worst. It's just the worst. It's so hard. And it's so, you know, and you hate it and you hate yourself and it just, <laughs> all of those things. But, uh, you know, but there are hacks yeah. to it, I think. And, and one of those is uh, the, you know, the inevitability of a deadline, sort of allowing that time pressure to release yourself from brilliance. Mm-hmm. And Christmas Carol is so great because Christmas, <laughs> Christmas is coming. <laughs> you know, like there is no extension there on that no deadline. There is no extension <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. Well, I want to talk about Crybully because Crybully is, a, it's an interesting play. And I really liked it the first time I read the first draft. I was like, this is this is very different. Talk about the the genesis for for this idea or the impetus to write this play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cry Bully is a rumination on who gets to own an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that feels often very present for me as a writer, as I'm sharing, you know, things about my life, as I'm I'm uh, hearing stories told as I'm, you know, navigating through what have I read, what have I seen, what is original, what is um, a riff, what is stolen. Um, so that felt very sort of present in this moment. And then um, uh, inspired particularly by, you know, Bad Art Friend, um, which was an article about, you know, two writers, um, one of which perhaps used someone else's life event in their story and then who owns that story mm-hmm. um likewise with uh kristen rapinian um with uh cat person mm-hmm. um which was such a you know brilliant piece of fiction and also perhaps a you know an extension or an inspired by a young woman's life and mm-hmm. sort of her discovering that and wondering if it was that, you know, if that was just real or not, or, um, and then who owns that? Like if she saw, if Kristen Rapinian saw, you know, details of this young woman's life on Facebook, you know, and sort of in a public forum Mm -hmm. and use some of those, you know, some of those details, who does that belong to ultimately? And so in Cry Bully, um, there is, uh, a young writer woman who has sort of blown up in the short story novel sphere. And she uh, is invited um, to uh, to pitch a, a, a screenplay version of her short story uh, to a famous, you know, up and coming film director. And uh, the, you know, he, he might be good friends uh, with someone who's um, whose story she has perhaps stolen um, in this in this you know breakout piece. Yeah, it's hard to talk about it because you don't want to give it a <laughs> yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. away, right? So for for our listeners, this process, uh, Krista submitted a, a script, a draft of the script, and it was selected, and we uh, selected three different plays and playwrights for this season, and we've already had two Zoom readings, and in between the Zoom readings, you you know you had a new draft. Uh, and then this week, at the end of the week, we'll, we'll start our lab where we have actors in person, our director, uh, Alicia Hamer, our dramaturg, Lauren Schaus, will be in the room with you. What do you hope to accomplish in this next week? Like, where do you want to take it now? Oh, I'm just, I mean, I was just so excited to just have humans. I'm just yeah. to be in a room with humans. I mean, right. you can hear it and hearing the cadence and hearing the questions on a Zoom reading is really nice and especially you know I was at a residency in Taos and then I was 
somewhere else. So being able to continue to collaborate remotely was also really valuable. But uh, but just getting to be in the room to sort of, so much of it is this, uh, so much of Cry Bully is this sort of slippery allegiances and um, just getting to see actors play those um, those kind of uh, awkward human um, moments and power grabs and subversions. Uh, I'm really, yeah, really looking forward to just to calibrating, calibrating the text based on that. You know, there's yeah. definitely some things I know I'm exploring, you know, some questions I know I'm exploring, but until you get in the room and see what it is like for someone to, you know, for an actor to say that line to someone else, it's really hard to know sure. how it how it lands. Sure, of course. Well, we're super excited. Uh, we start rehearsals this Saturday, and then next Friday on September 29th is our public reading, Whoop. where everyone is invited. It's free. It's yes. open to the public. Um, uh, you want to mention the cast members? Yes, I would love to. Um, uh, yeah, and the reading will be at 7.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, would love for people to come and respond and... Um, yeah, steal it. I don't know. You know, it's all, it's all about sort of stealing and not unstealing and uh, AI and what it, you know, what is it to steal? Um, and are there any original stories? But uh, yes, the cast is is. I'm so excited about the cast. Um, we have Annika Burley, um, J.R. Robles, and we have Dustin Lafleur. And I just could not be more excited to to get in a room with them and Alicia and Lauren and. Yeah figure out what this thing is trying to say. And, and, and if you haven't been to a staged reading, we have an actor who reads the stage directions, and that's Deontay Jenkins, who will be reading the stage directions. So it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity to hear a new play. I love hearing new plays for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. and that's exciting mm-hmm. as an audience member. And, and then uh, stick around after for a talk back with, mm-hmm. with you and the cast and the creative team. And, 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 and they, it's a chance for audiences to ask questions yeah. And and I know that's super helpful for you as a yes. playwright. Yes, and just to respond I mean, just to respond. I mean, you have these ideas of who the characters are and, and where our loyalties will lie, but to actually get a real time response to you know, to what is that like when you see them in front of you and is is so invaluable, especially at this point in a process when you're you know, you're like just sort of figuring out, I think, creatively what it is I'm just thinking, you know, what it is I'm thinking about and asking, and then the sort of litmus test of, is any of that communicated? Yeah, yeah, that's great. What's next for you after Cryboli? Yes, so uh, speaking of the uh, musical with Dave Malloy, which is called Don't Stop Me, I will uh, be back to a rewrite of that. Um, there's going to be auditions for that in early October. Um, for a remounting at YMTC in Berkeley, who originally commissioned the piece. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be back at it. Um, I'm also just finishing up rewrites on an uh, uh, adaptation of the Trolls movie mm-hmm. for DreamWorks NBC Universal. We can finally say, we got oh, that's the other exciting. week. Yeah, yeah, that we can say we're adapting Trolls um, with, uh, doing with a dry Kwame, who's an amazing composer and lyricist. And we've just had so much fun. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, adapting that piece. And uh, so, yeah, and just sort of, you know, we're now in like a pilot program, you know, seeing different sort of pilots, uh, pilot productions of that to see how it works on its feet. 
That's incredible. Well, we're super excited for you, and we're excited for this week. And Cry Bully, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll be right back. All right, well, I know what I'm doing next Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a Cry Bully. Yeah, um, join us here at MPT for free. I for free. Free That's at right. 7.30 p.m. September 29th. Um, that is next Friday. And if you haven't been to MPT, uh, Nashville Public Television, where our offices are located, mm-hmm. at 161 Rains Avenue. Yep, we have a lot of parking. Yep. Like I said, it's free. It's a really good experience. Um, this was one of my first events that I came to. Before oh, that's right. And I really loved it. It's a really great time. It's just fun to experience a new play for the mm-hmm. first time, you know? Yeah. Like, hear it for the first time, kind of experience the ideas of, of that the playwright has explored. But also getting to talk to the playwright yes. and getting to talk to the cast. So please join us next Friday, September 29th. Cece, how can people get tickets? Or not tickets, but how do they RSVP? Yeah, you can RSVP on our website at NashvilleRep.org. Or if you find us on any social media, our handle is at NashRep and the link is there too. Yeah, and seating is limited, guys. So if you know you want to come, you should go ahead and RSVP as soon as possible to make sure you get on the list. Cool. All right. Cece, I'm so glad you got to join me today. This was fun. And uh, we'll we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. Listeners, thanks so much for listening to Rep Chats. We'll be back with you soon. In the meantime, go to our website, support your local theaters, support Nashville Rep. We'll see you at the theater. Thank you. Thank you.